Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. It's our day three wrap from Old Trafford. I'm Menes, and as the game stands, England were bowled out for 400, 592 in response to Australia's 317, and Australia at stumps are four for 113, still a long way behind. England needs six wickets to level the series to all. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul what a match for England. No, not at all. What a match for Australia. The Ashes are back. We have retained <laughs> the Ashes. Oh, I started celebrating last night. Apologies, listeners. The words aren't coming today. I had a couple of beers watching the cricket. But um, look, I'm going all in on this. I have been looking at the weather for eight days. Listeners to this show will know I'm always uh, very positive about the fact that it's not going to rain. I've flipped completely. This time, it's been consistent on the app that I trust most that days four and five are going to be washed out. So I'm calling it. And then, you know, obviously, if England do get on and, and win the game, we'll have to come back and, and alter this recording. But at the moment, it's all joy. Oh, man, I love this optimism and this celebration. I mean, I've actually sort of planned my weekend of, of sort of TV watching. I've been going through all the apps thinking, what am I going to watch while the covers are on at Old Trafford? And, you know, that, that's what I'm preparing myself for, you know, two nights of, you know, catching up on TV shows while we slowly edge closer to retaining the urn. So I like your optimism. Um so, so looking at the match situation, though, uh, I think England have done enough to give themselves a glimmer of hope that if they could get on for a few hours, then that's maybe all they need. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, they're miles ahead in the game. And if there was no rain around, then Australia's position would be um, diabolical. I do question the, the tactics, though, of England, um, given, as I said, that the forecast to me on, on, the, on the BBC app, which I've... Um, you know, if you look at my phone, I've got about 15 different weather apps. And if you looked at the the the, the search history of the last few years, you would think that I am the, the biggest uh, jet setter in the world. I'm in Gaul one week. I'm in <laughs> India the next. I'm in the Caribbean. I, you know, I'm 
always trying to work out whether it's going to rain. And the BBC app has been kind of consistently the one I've started to trust the most. And I have been looking at it since, um, oh, I reckon seven days ago. And as I said, it's been consistently saying days four and day five, day five look appalling. I don't understand what England did on the second day. They Between lunch and tea, they did exactly what I expected they would do. They went above seven and over, um, uh, absolute freewheeling baseball cricket at its best. And I just assumed they would come out in the, in the final session more of the same, get a bit of a lead and then stick the Aussies in, try to bowl them out in, uh, you know, two and a half sessions. And then l- last evening uh, when you know, the last guaranteed play would have gone out for two hours and chased whatever Australia had set and I'd hoped to win it that way. And then they came out after tea on day two. Harry Brooks scored 17 off 40. Ben Stokes was quite defensive. And then on day three, sure, it was wonderful watching, you know, if you're an English fan, watching Besto freewheeling and all, and all the stuff that they did. I don't understand why they didn't declare earlier and get the Aussies in because, yes, there may well be, um, you know, there may well be three or four hours to play at some stage um, on day five, although I, I, re- I really can't see it, but it's obviously a possibility. But by not giving themselves that chance to win it in three days, I, I, don't, I don't understand the logic of that. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit baffled by their tactics, and I'm a bit baffled that no one's calling that out. Well, look, it has been called out. I've heard some people talk about it. I've heard Michael Vaughan talk about it on the BBC stump strap. I, I don't criticise them for their play on the second afternoon. They still went at around four and a half, five runs and over in the last session. But I do think that it's absolute. Um, I mean, if I was the England supporters, I would be very surprised because, you know, Stokes talked about trying to win the match in three days. Basball's all about playing aggressive cricket, they were 189 runs ahead at lunch on day three from Australia. I thought that was enough of a lead to declare and give yourself the whole of the rest of day three to bowl Australia out. And, you know, they have Australia four for 113. You know, if they'd had two more hours play yesterday at the Aussie top order, they might actually have won the game. So I think they've they've really got it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you, but I still go further. I still think that they could have gone even harder because um, I think if they had done that and then it had turned out, oh, there actually was four or five hours play um, possible on days four and five, it wasn't as though by playing that extra hard way that they would then have jeopardised their chances of winning too much. That I wasn't talking about declaring well in arrears of Australia. I was talking about belting up a lead and getting 50 in front and declaring, you know, an hour before stumps on day day two, that sort of thing, which is exactly what they did, um, you know, the equivalent of that in the first test. So, yeah, I, I found it surprising. And look, um, it, it's, it'll be a great pity for the series itself, not for Australian fans, but if, if we sit for two days now and watch the rain come down and to think what might have been, that if they'd gone a little bit harder, it could well have been set up for two all. And, and even Michael Vaughan himself said that if, if it went to the Ovals two all, it would already have eclipsed the 2005 Ashes, and I never thought that was going to happen. Mm. Now let's look at what happened on day three. Australia started off um, bowling to Brooke and Stokes, and they edged along nicely in the first hour. They were, I wouldn't say they were conservative, but they, they were scoring at around five or six and over. Uh, Stokes was bowled by Cummins for 51, and the, Australia hadn't taken the new ball then. Then they did take the new ball, and they were able to get some wickets pretty quickly. Um, Brooke was out for 61, uh, caught on the boundary off Hazelwood. Uh, Wokes was out first ball, caught behind off Hazelwood. And then Wood was out just before lunch, uh, bowled by Hazelwood. 
So at that stage at lunch, England were eight for 506. And then after lunch, we saw Broad and Anderson go, but uh, in between best, I smashed it 99 not out of 81 deliveries with 10 fours and four sixes. England all out for 592. Josh Hazelwood, the pick of the bowlers, 27 overs, five for 126. He's at 10th five wicket haul. And I, I thought day three just continued uh, for the the way day two was for Australia. You know, not many answers with the ball and at the mercy of English mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. You, um, all the sort of criticism I've made of the English tactics, tactics shouldn't overshadow the fact that we are being absolutely um, brutalised in this game. That if there was no threat of weather around, we'd be talking about not only going to the Oval to all, but um, looking like we're going to lose at the Oval as well. So it's been um, a, de- a destruction of the Australian bowlers. Uh, I think further vindication of the way that they play. I mean, Crawley has an average of about 30 in test cricket. He's batted so well in this series. Um, and I think I said before the show, before the first um, test, that I sort of dismissed him as he'll, he'll be a non-entity. Don't have to worry about him. Well, uh, I got that wrong um, in spades. But I think that playing with that freedom is, um, you know, it doesn't always work. But when it does, it comes off spectacularly. And that's what it has done for England in this match. Yeah, so Bairstow's 99 not out was the seventh in test history. Uh, there was some interesting stuff in in that little passage of play towards the end there. Uh, Bairstow running singles to the wicketkeeper, running buys to the wicketkeeper, Alex Carey, when uh, the England Aussie bowlers <laughs> drop it short to uh, Jimmy Anderson. Bairstow would hair off for a buy to Alex Carey. Um, so there well, was not dead. Of... It's not dead. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't dead then, was it? Um <laughs> so and then at the end, um, Besto tried to get a two to get his hundred. It wasn't there, and it left Anderson on strike, and Green got him out LBW. So Besto stranded on ninety nine night out, and sort of poetic, really, the way his series has gone. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, uh, Green copped a, uh, a real uh, rollicking, uh, a real um, dressing down in the dressing room because he. He bowled one at the stumps, and they said, "There's none of that, mate." You know, this is that, <laughs> what are you doing bowling at the stumps to the tail enders? Well, Josh Hazelwood said after play the press conference that you know, they tried different tactics, but it seemed like going back to bowling, you know, a good length outside off stump seemed to be the thing that worked. And I'm like, "Wow, where have I heard that before?" <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah, it's obviously something you get as um, maybe when you get your baggy green, you get a little note that. Um, in the instance where we've been bowling quite well, as soon as number eight or nine comes out and there's a specialist batter, um, make sure you put all fielders back on the fence and start bowling bounces because that's the way you that's the way you go. It's very weird. Yeah, very strange. Um, so England's 592 was their highest score at home versus Australia since 1985. It's the seventh time in England test history that uh, six of the top seven have made 50 in the innings, um, over 50. So they, apart from Ben Duck, who was out for one, all the England batters got going. Um, speaking about Johnny Bairstow's 99 not out, he was he went did the press conference afterwards, Paul, and he was very belligerent. You know, he was pushing back on all the criticism of him and the team. And I was I was looking at it going. You can push back all you want, but you still dropped all those catches. Like it, it, the ninety-nine that doesn't change the fact that you've dropped a few sodas this series. Yeah, of course. I mean, he um, he's had a wonderful game this game, and that catch that he took to get Mitchell Marsh out was possibly the catch of the series. But yeah, of course, you know the 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 drop catches that he's um, been responsible for earlier on in the Ashes. Uh, had he taken a few of those, um, England may well be leading the series by now. 
Exactly. Um, so what did you make of Australia's tactics this match? Cummins and McDonald don't seem to have uh, rethought any of the tactics that got them in trouble at the end of the Lord's Test match and then at Headingley. I, I mean, I just think, you know, the wheels have fallen off the management. Like the captaincy and the coaching is is just gone off the rails. Yeah, I think it's been tactically poor. And I, I mean, I think that that's what the way that England um, play, uh, one of the, the advantages of it is that it really puts under puts players under pressure in ways that they're not used to in, in test cricket. This, this notion of players playing with absolute freedom and, you know, you looked at the way that Crawley played. Um, they had at one point three fly slips almost, you could call it. He was still swinging from the hilt, getting his luck and keeping on going. Uh, it, it's just out of character for test cricket and players don't know how to cope with it. And surely that the Australians have got to realise that, um, as, as you said before, just the boring old hitting the top of off stump with um, a decent field in place, that at least you've got to start with that. Um, don't don't abandon that so quickly. Um, you know, it's um, I've been looking at some old footage of, uh, I was watching the 72 Ashes and uh, just noting how many slips Ian Chappell had in. And there'd be a few balls flying to the boundary. He just kept them in, kept them in, and then bang, um, a wicket would come. I think these these days sides blink too early and they're too eager to, to stop the boundaries rather than um, stop the singles and, and, and keep catches in place. Now, it's it's very easy for me to be glib about it and say you know you know I'm not facing the the onslaught of the English tactics um, and out there in the field when the balls start racing to the fence you you would have that feeling of oh geez we've got to um we've got to do something here but yeah it's clearly not working no and uh, yeah I have grave concerns for the future of Pat Cummins' captaincy I mean I said this a while ago so it's it's nothing new I, I but I think actually now there's a groundswell uh, you know people are starting to to come on board that, you know, maybe he's not the best option of captain. And I know this is a little off topic, Paul, but I have real concerns about Australia going to the 2023 50 over World Cup with Pat Cummins as our captain in those high pressure games where the the speed of play will be rapid. I don't think Cummins is, is switched on enough. And I think he's been found out in this series. I, I don't think he has been um, good on-field tactically. Um, but I maintain, as I have said before, I, d- I don't necessarily think that the alternative, you know, Smith, I don't think is any better as an on-field tactician. I know that everyone's saying that he is. From from what I've seen, I think I think that they're both um, fairly vanilla and, and fairly poor as on-field tacticians. I, I agree with you with the World Cup. And part of it is that I'm not sure in Indian conditions in one-day cricket, whether Pat Cummins is even in our best 11. And that's a concern to me, that if they will feel that, uh, that they have to pick him each time because he is the captain, uh, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful bowler. He's rivaling Glenn McGrath as the best Australian bowler I've ever seen. Um, but in, in 50 over conditions in India, I'm not sure if he's actually in our best side. No, and I do think we're seeing Cummins' test bowling be diminished by the strain of captaincy. I mean, you know, those figures in this that innings, uh, Cummins, 23 overs, one for 129. He went at went almost six and over. I, I've never seen him bowl that badly. And I have to say, Australia have been terrible in this match. Uh, you know, we batted. Everyone got starts. No one made the big daddy hundred and our bowling was all over the place. I mean, I don't think our tactics were good, but also I don't think we bowled that well. So it's been an absolute shocker. I give them a bit of um, uh, leeway from the, 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 the not going on with the starts on the first day. I, I think that 
you know, there were some figures out there that, that day one that the English were getting a fair degree of swing. I, I don't think that on day one it was quite as easy a pitch as, as everyone said. And I think that some of the Australians, uh, you know, you, you look at the dismissals of them. Um, I was saying the other day, like, head, yeah, probably shouldn't have played that shot to get out. But he was playing that way and that got him to 40-odd or 45 or what, whatever it was. I think if he had played the sort of old-fashioned way, he probably would have nicked one earlier or, or, or when he did get out, he would have been far fewer. So I get it. It wasn't ideal that there were plenty of starts and no big scores. But I think that there's a little bit of a, f- a forgiveness in me there because the pitch was a little bit more difficult than, than, than maybe it's been given credit for. So Australia went out to bat facing a massive deficit. What was it? Uh, 592 England made ahead of Australia's 317. And it didn't start too well. Mark Wood got the first wicket. Usman Khawaja caught behind a feather to Bairstow for 18. Uh, David Warner was then bowled by Wokes. A very, very frustrating dismissal for Warner where he, he was in two minds and chopped the ball on with an angled bat. And when Kawaja and Warner went early, I started to see that Australia was really in dire straits. What are your thoughts? Uh, my instinct is that, uh, obviously, um, assuming that we get out of this with the draw, that they probably will pick Warner for the final test. What do you reckon? I think so. I've got no faith in Bailey, McDonald or Cummins to make the hard call now. They, they didn't do it with Aaron Finch during the T20 World Cup. They haven't done it yet with Warner in the Ashes. I thought they should have got funky with this match and found a makeshift opener ahead of Warner to get Marsh and Green in. And in the end, they didn't make the big call. And, um, you know, that was a disappointing match for Warner, 32 and 28, two starts. You know, it was crying out for a, a beginnings in that second second innings and, um, yeah, a, a very sort of timid dismissal and, um, yeah, it's very frustrating. It is, although you look at the record of openers in English cricket in the last decade or so and we probably need to reset our calculus a little bit that 50 is always kind of the benchmark of, of, of starting to be a very decent innings. It's probably 30 for an opening batter in, in, in English conditions. Like he probably actually did fairly well in this game, but obviously there's the calls are going to grow stronger. Um, the public want him gone. Um, it's a good pitch, I, though. And, and Crawley made it look – I mean, I, I think it's not the green top swinging conditions we're used to in England. No, no, no. I, I suppose I'm, I'm speaking um, with, with the, the – if you look at his returns in this series mm. compared to the, the history in recent times, it's not too bad. I take your point. These pitches have not been, you know, the – Quite the green, uh, the, the green tops that we've seen, and Kawaja, Crawley, and Duckett have certainly done better. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, it'll be interesting if if we happen to get some play, and if Green happened to get a few runs, um, that could even put pressure on uh, for them to do more like what you said, maybe open up with Head in the final Test match. Because I think they're reluctant to pick Harris, and I would be reluctant as well. I, I, if, if it's a choice between Warner and Harris, I'm always going to pick um, uh, Warner. And I'll tell you who else should pick Warner in that instance would be Harris. If I was Harris, <laughs> I wouldn't want to play. They'd be yeah. up for when Warner. And I'll take the West Indies on. Thank you very much. Yeah, especially if it's two all and you you go in. And I, I think Head would be a pretty serviceable option in the pitches we've seen. So Kawaja went, Warner went. Um, Kawaja just looked to be beaten for pace. And you have to say, you know, Wood's entry into this series has given the England attack uh, some some venom that has exposed our top order and. You know, he ended up getting Smith and Head out in that last hour. Smith caught behind, sort of pulling at one, getting a feather to Bairstow for 17. And Head looking very awkward, fending a, a short ball off Wood to Gully for one. Uh, 
So that left Australia four for 108. Wood has the figures three for 17. Wokes getting Warner. I mean, Wood's just been electric. Absolutely. Uh, it was a bit scary even. You know, the ball he got um, head out was a was a vicious one. Um, he got Kawaja, as you said, kind of a really fending at one. Um, another one I got wrong. I didn't think that he had the impact that he has. Uh, they were all clamouring for him being back in. I was thinking, yeah, he's a good bowler, but I'm not so sure. But, yeah. Uh, absolutely, he's the first bowler you'd pick now for England. Um, it would be interesting to have seen if you could have uh, had a hypnotised the Australians um, in that final passage of play to say, right, um, you're playing baseball. Go out there and I know you're ostensibly playing for a draw, but go out there and just uh, play with freedom. I, I would love to have been able to see sort of a, an A-B split to see what that would have been. I reckon they might have been um, double the score and half the wickets if that were the case. Um, so yeah, Australia four for one thirteen at stumps. Mitchell Marsh is not out one. Labuschagne not out forty four of eighty eight deliveries. They need him to stick around. Then you've got Green, Carey, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, and you know I could just sort of foresee, you know, maybe a bit of sun on Sunday afternoon, and you know it'd be great if this match at least had an exciting conclusion with England pushing for the last six wickets and Australia fighting for the Ashes because, you know, this series deserves more than a couple of days to be rained out. I'm in uncharted territory. Every match I've ever watched, I've always said that the odds of the draw um, are much overstated and the chances of being a draw is much less than people think. Somehow this match I have flipped. I'm on the other side. I'm on the dark side. I'm the one saying it's going to be a draw. I feel uncomfortable. It's not, it, it's not sitting well with me. Um, and yeah, BBC Weather app, it's um, a big test for you over these next two days. I've relied upon it. Um, it has been emphatic. So if, quite frankly, if we see more than about an hour's play, I'm going to have a lot of thoughts to be, uh, I'll be in a very dark place wondering what the hell's going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll take it, whatever I can get. If, if Australia gets away with the draw in this match, um, I'll be thrilled. I will be thrilled. Um, all right, well, that's it for our wrap of uh, day three from Old Trafford. Paul and I had a pre-show meeting and we decided that if day four was completely rained out, we will we're not will not record a wrap um, because we'll just be talking about what shows I've I've watched on the various apps. Um so if they do go on even for 10 minutes, we'll we'll wrap it up. But at this so just if there's no play, we're not going to do a show. And I also just wanted to quickly mention um the Australian cricket lost uh, uh, Brian Tabor yesterday. He he passed away at the age of 83. He played 16 test matches for Australia and 129 first-class matches for New South Wales. And I was lucky enough to cricket coach with Brian Tabor for many years in, in summer holiday camps. And he, he was a wonderful man. So I just want to send my condolences to him, uh, to his family. Um, you know, he had a heart of gold. He, he did a lot of work with the under-19 Australian side back in the 90s and early 2000s. And, yeah, very sad news that he's passed away. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I'm so, sorry to hear that. Um, I remember reading Rod Marsh's book just after uh, Rod Marsh replaced Brian Tabor in the Australian side and they were um, going out to um, to uh, some friends' house in, in England and um, the, the, the person there suddenly said, oh, where's Brian Tabor? How come he's not here? We, we really miss him. And it was very awkward for Rod Marsh. He had to sort of say, yeah, I'm here because they've, they've sacked him and, and brought me into the side instead. But, yeah, um, very sad that, that he has died just um, on the heels of Rod Marsh as well. Indeed, some pretty good wicket keepers up upstairs now. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening to Cricket Unfiltered, our wrap from uh, Old Trafford. 
And Paul, we'll catch up either at the end of day four or day five. Hey, everyone. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.